Hey, you guys. Um, welcome back to another episode of Imani Talks Astrology. It's so funny. Um, it, eclipse season is right around the corner. Sorry, I'm in my car and I don't want to burn up, so I'm putting the window down. Um, and I have been so excited about eclipse season that I forgot that there's like a full moon next week. And I didn't remember until the 9th. Yeah. Or the 10th. I don't fucking remember. All of the days are just kind of mesh-mashing together. I don't understand anything anymore. Um, but yeah, I forgot that there is a full moon. Um, and it's a really important one, too. Um, it is deeply connected. Well, all of the, the things are kind of build <clears throat> up on one another. And, of course, the full moon is just another instance of that. Um, With the full moon of the previous month, we were invited um, by the Scorpio full moon into the depths um, of our our subconsciousness um, to really look and take a a really kind of big look at all of the things that are held on that stand in the way um, of the stability that we seek, of the clear heart, of the clear conscious that we need as we move into the eclipses of this summer. Now, the, um, as you can see, this episode is called The Fool. Um, The Fool imagery has been around me for a couple of weeks now. It's came up in my own personal readings for myself, personal readings for clients. Um, and more than ever, it's just felt like, yeah, like that's what makes sense. Like that's the direction that we're going into. Um, and in more ways than we know, it is, like I said, deeply connected, um, to this eclipse season. Um, and we'll kind of get into that, um, when we talk about the astrology portion, this right now, I believe there will probably be two sections. We're kind of talking in the the very abstract way that you guys are used to me doing in a kind of weird channely sort of way. Um, talking about symbolism and things that we see. Um, and then from there, we will get into the astrology and break that down so that we can really explore that. Um, so we have an idea of where this shit is happening. Um, and yeah, it'll be really exciting and really dope. I'm so excited for this full moon. Again, going back to that idea of the fool. Um, and let's kind of break down in the same way that we did the previous, um, episode, uh, how we broke down the, the forms of the judgment card. Now we are at the fool. We are at the beginning of the deck, the fool's journey for anyone who has attempted to learn tarot or knows tarot themselves we often see the way that we are taught about the major arcana which is the first 23 question mark cards in the deck um we are kind of invited on this journey where we learn you know card by card this this process that we kind of go through represented of course by um the fool who is card zero the beginning um it is depicted as a young man 
walking towards a cliff with a sack over his arm head in the air we see the mountains in the background there is a dog nipping at his heels in some instances there is a tiger um kind of showing the risk and adventure that one takes when starting something new when delving into the unknown um it is the catalyst for the journey it is the beginning it is the start um of what is to come and what we're being invited to do by the universe in the Moonchild Tarot, it is represented as a woman um, and a wolf in the, this, what seems to be some like weird kind of thing floating in the middle of the universe. And uh, we see a kind of star-filled sky that the wolf and the woman are kind of invited to jump off of. I haven't really thought about what the symbolism of the wolf is, but it has always kind of um, been interesting to me. But being asked to jump off of the threshold, again, into the unknown, similarly to a cliff, but a little more scary, right? Because the universe is in the background. So jumping into the stars, jumping into possibility, um, in the Byzantine tarot, it is represented as a saint. Um, I do not remember his name. I'm thinking Basil. I think I'm just making that up off the top of my head. I could be wrong. I'll fact check myself later. Um, jumping, um, or walking, following a dove. Isn't that dope imagery? And the dove is guided by the light of the sun. Um, and he is naked. And it really points to, at least to me, um, when I saw that, this certain level of manicness, I guess, that someone has to have to chase something and chase it nakedly. Nakedness, of course, being representative of being raw and vulnerable, kind of like when you're first born, right? just like when you're first born and you start to embark on this this uh journey and this adventure um that you don't know much about at all the fool is oftentimes associated with aries energy i can see that but for the sake of this conversation we will associate it with um mercury and jupiter with the mutable nature period as we think about the risk that they kind of take and embark on as they seek adventure, as they seek something new. It's as if I have felt, and maybe you have felt this way as well, that you are on the precipice of something new, something great, something that you can't really imagine or articulate or put into the words because nothing about it is tangible. But yet for some reason... You know, beyond the going back to that idea of the the naked man like chasing a dove, right? It's like why the fuck is this dude following a bird, right? Like the symbol, you know, of a dove, um, and what it represents. Hmm, this is always when I realize like there's something else that I should have looked up. 
Let's look it up while we're talking. Hey, one day I'll just be knowing the shit. Dove symbolism. It's a symbol of peace. Mm. It's a symbol of Mother Mary. Shout out to Mother. It's a symbol of motherhood. Interesting. Ishtar. Promise of hope and salvation. Aphrodite and Venus. Viewing the soul or a sense of higher love. Liaisons between intuitive thought and common reality. Interesting. This is definitely very relatable. When we think about that symbolism, let's even kind of delve into things. You know, I'm sorry if I bring up like kind of like Christianity and things like that. That is the only kind of frame of reference that I really have to a lot of things because I was raised in the United States and I have a black family. Anyway. And this really goes deeply into what I had, the notes I had taken. Um, there is a really weird element of mothering um, that deeply ties to this moon. Of course, with the moon, it's always about that. But it, it's very special when we look at the astrology a little bit later on. In terms of Mother Mary, and we think about a woman who tells us or tells people that she has been spun she has spontaneously became pregnant by quote and with the the child of god <laughs> jesus right um and to think about how insane that fucking sounds right which is, of course, why lots of people argue that the Bible is full of shit. But it definitely, I think it has a lot more kind of symbolic meaning, um, whether she is an actual person or not. I do not know that. Um, that's not what we're arguing here. You can feel free to Google it and look into it if you would like to. If that is something that interests you, go ahead. Anyway, and it replicates the same thing that we were talking about. The dove being representative of this higher level of love, it being this master of both the air, the unknown, the unseen, the intangible, and also the earth as well. It is an earth-dwelling creature. Um, and in a way, let's do it. Let's go there. Jesus was kind of that as well. He is um, a symbol of divine love, of unconditional love, of an unconditional and unexplainable trust and belief and faith. Um, that we have in the unknown and in the unseen and mother mary much so reflecting that manic kind of chasing of the the dove right and to kind of make this a more micro relatable kind of example let's talk about you listener let's talk about me recorder um in terms of how we all have these dreams we have these hopes wishes and desires that we know that we know we can get that we know are achievable and if they're not there is again that faith and trust that there is something so much greater um that's waiting for us um on the other side of whatever the fuck is about to happen right because i think what we see and what we'll know as we follow the fool's journey 
is that from the fool to the world in tarot, there is the tower, there is the hanged man, I'm so sorry. Um, Things just kind of cut off. So fucking annoying. There are only two signs that interrupt everything that I'm fucking doing. And it is always either a Cancer or a Capricorn. And it is fucking irritating. Because I record through my phone, if someone calls me, it just completely cuts everything off. And I was, like, in my bed. Like, I don't even know where I was going with what I was thinking. But it was getting there. Like, it was getting there. Anyway, not to dwell on the past. <clears throat> As I, Oh, wow. Guess what? I just picked up my deck. Guess what card is at the bottom, you guys? You guessed it. The Fool crazy the devil is there too which is the capricorn card interesting isn't it interesting that the devil is the card that represents capricorn anyway as we go from i'm sorry yes there's 21 cards as we go from the fool to the world there are many ups and downs we are asked to do many things Um, I think what's important to note is that after every major, um, kind of instance of pain, um, or struggle that we see during the fool's journey, afterwards there is some shining of light. Um, some kind of hope uh, that brings us into I guess in a way possibility The hangman is card number 12. Number 13 is death. Number 16 is the tower. After death comes temperance. And after the tower comes the star. But of course, if death or the tower pops up in your reading, you can't see that, right? For anyone who's gotten a reading before, they've seen one. It's very hard to step out of that, right? Um, At the beginning of the fool's journey, we realize in a way how naive we were you know, in the hopes and wishes and dreaming stage of things. And so I say all of this to say that this is an invitation. That's what the full moon is. It is an invitation 
to go beyond what we see and in some cases can even imagine for ourselves. The only caveat with that is um, that we are suiting up um, to kind of embark on, again, this very unknown and unforeseen kind of area of life. And we're ultimately just being asked to trust. Again, another theme that has came up for everyone that I've read it for over the past couple of weeks is needing to trust. Um, what I've seen for myself as well, having to trust the process and understanding that things will kind of unravel for better or for worse um, with the best kind of intention in mind. On the side of the tower is always the star. On the other side of death. Oh, it's not temperance. Oh, yes, it is. Is always temperance. A middle path. A middle ground that we kind of go to. And so we're either going towards that. Or we've reached our middle ground. In which we're being asked to kind of explore and think and wait patiently for whatever it is that we've been hoping for and dreaming for to come our way and knowing that it will. On the other side of the tower, which I think is very much so representative of the summer, is wish fulfillment, is healing. I think that's one of the things that these new moons and full moons so far as intensive they, as they have been, um, remember that the lunations are that much more intense because of the North Node being in Cancer, right? So with that, it adds another layer of intensity and, and fatality that we kind of feel as we're kind of dealing with um, all of the things that are you know, happening and occurring and changing and transforming um, in our lives. And we can't see that there is a promise for all of that, but we have to do the the hard work, the deep work before we do that, right? You see what is in between mm. we can kind of look at cancer and Capricorn as splitting the zodiac wheel in half in a way, right? On one side is self, on the other side is others. Um, depending on how you look at it, right? I don't know. It doesn't matter. You can split the, the zodiac in, the, in half in, in any way. But we're splitting it through the highest point of the chart and the lowest point of the chart. Um, and in a way, it's as if it is some sort of key or some sort of gateway to this, I guess at least the way that I'm kind of thinking about it, this kind of key or gateway to this other side um, of all of the new moons that kind of correspond with the, the full moons that we've been dealing with, right? Where it's like all of this has been promised to us. Um, all of this has kind of been uh, activated or the seeds have kind of been planted. But we have to embark on, again, that, that tower moment, that death moment, that moment of the chariot 
the devil, whatever, you know, all the shitty cards. Think of all of the shitty cards, right? Having to face all of those things before we get there. And that's in a way why I've referred to this as um, a, a kind of a preparation full moon because we're just getting ready. We're just getting started. Um, this is a, an initiation into the next phase of things. I am going to get my laptop so that we can talk Chandra symbols per use. My favorite part. But the aspects for this shit is insane. It was really cool um, to look at it and to kind of see how interconnected everything is. But we're not going to talk about that yet. We will talk about that in the next part. We'll be talk more astrology focused. Sorry, I'm logging into my computer. Oh my God, I have to go to Vegas tomorrow and I have not packed. By the time you're listening to this, I'm probably already there. I hope. Let us see. So we are dealing with 25 degrees Gemini and Sagittarius. The opposition representative of a push and pull but also is a point of integration the sun is the direction that we are moving into the moon is the habits um, and unseen forces that have kind of nurtured or facilitated the push or growth into that area it is also representative of the past right because your past informs your what your future. Let's go. Um, let's see. The third level. Individual mental. Again, we're reading from... Um, every time I read from this book, like I feel like like a preacher. Like at a church where I'm like, turn to like Leviticus. Like what? Like what the fuck am I talking about? Anyway. This is why the podcast is so long, because I sit around and have these stupid asides about things that do not matter. It's fine. Anyway, so the um, Gemini 26 degrees, um, frost covered trees against winter skies. Keynote, the the revelation of archetypal form and essential rhythm of existence. At this third level of exteriorization, a contact with archetypes and pure forms of individual selfhood is to be sought, also with the characteristic images of the culture. Externals are left behind. This is a step beyond pruning. It is rather a process of removals of all superficialities of existence. Cyclically, nature helps us to reach this state of bare reality. It is not that we experience the Buddhist void, or sunya, but rather that we reach the essence of our individual being, the form of pure selfhood, which is structuring power underneath all external features, all that beyond the leaf realm. Interesting. This first stage of the fivefold process is in its 18th phase. In a sense, we can speak, to, speak of it 
as a stage of ascetic repudiation, but it is also one of essentialization. Let's break that down. Um, Because in a way, it's very wordy um, in a kind of annoying way that... Oh. Is a... um, Kind of... I feel like that this is, has to be like a Mercury and Pisces kind of thing because Dane Rudyard, the author, is also a Aries Sun with a the same thing. Basically, it is when we talk about ascetic repudiation, it is a connection to a particular code of morals um or expectations okay yeah that makes sense um where it's like because there is an expectation or belief that one should do or act in within a particular way given the the way that society is to a certain extent there is a stripping away of an aspect of the self because you are putting that behind to um help or progress the um, the collective, the whole, right? And this is a point in which we step away from that and we see ourselves as more than just what is expected of us or what other people think of us, right? And we are able to kind of step into ourself in a way that makes sense. But it also kind of speaks to It is a step beyond pruning. It is rather a process of removal of all superficialities of existence. When you think about what people expect of you, right? Um, Especially when it comes to our family, um, our community, um, our country, whoever the fuck, you know, your boss. None of those things really matter. In the larger kind of scheme of things, if we want to kind of go in a way that sounds very like Taoist, but I think you can kind of catch on to what what I'm trying to say. But it's like, none of that really means much of anything, you know, especially when you are supposed to be you and you're not just supposed to be the projection of what other people want or ask of you to do. And in Gemini season, it is very much so about coming into a sense of self that is defined by self that is shared through our thoughts, our attitudes and beliefs and kind of not allowing what has been expected of us to kind of get in the way of who we say that we are. Who we are and what we have become is because, uh, even though it is very much so like informed by, you know, our experiences with others, especially like parents and people within our communities and our school, at the end of the day, they are not to say what you are to do with those particular tools or those things that you have kind of been given. The arbitrary things, I guess, in this you know conversation that people associate with, I guess, the education that you've been given and you know what the expectation is of what you to kind of are to do with that um, is really only up to you. It's really only up to you. Um, and I think that again kind of speaks to this, this, the full energy 
where it's like old dude has his bag packed he's leaving home and he's like yo i'm gonna just you know i'm gonna see what's out here i'm gonna just go see you know and we'll see what happens if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't who cares who cares if it doesn't work i'm just doing what i feel called to do i'm just operating and being myself granted there are ways in which that is dangerous and that is not okay when it is you're being you to the um detriment of other people but that's not what we're talking about you know and you know that on the other side of things um we are facing that was very interesting i read it earlier but like it still is just like hmm this was the part that really fucked me up was the yeah this is the part that really fucked me up so sagittarius 26 degrees a flag bearer in battle the nobly accepted subservience of the individual to collective values and goals a flag symbolizes an organized collectivity of human beings a nation or even a social class in the old-fashioned type of battle whoever carries the flag has to feel himself the representative of the integrity and unity of his group his personal belief his welfare should therefore be totally submerged in and identified with the welfare of the greater whole of which every person can act as a conscious and responsible agent for mankind in substance the symbol asks are you ready to assume this role the first stage of the 54th five-fold sequence this part does not matter presents a picture of what social consciousness can mean in its highest implications the flag bearer is unarmed and defenseless yet he can be the rallying point for the total effort of a large collectivity this is a consecration to an ideal now again that kind of speaks to the danger element that we talked about right these are the two things that are fighting against one another during this full moon where you and your allegiance let's say it like that two particular things to a particular way of living are getting in the way of you what being yourself in you standing up for yourself in terms of you moving in the direction that you would like to because there are so many stakeholders in the way that you should live in the way that you should exist and to abandon any of those in some way represents the abandoning of the collective um of some sort of value that you feel that you need to kind of um align with and in a way accepting of it leaves you in a place where you are as they describe defenseless and you are weakened right because when we are not aligned with ourselves that's when shit happens right but we assume these roles that are deeply tied to what other people want for us and what the expectations of other people are to a point where we sacrifice ourselves, and sometimes we feel like we are sacrificing ourselves in a way that is 
again, upholding some sort of value or allows us to uphold some sort of moral code that makes us feel good about ourselves inside, but ultimately is also kind of killing us inside as well, or could get us killed. I'm talking um, figuratively. Um, or metaphor, whatever. Y'all know what I mean. Um, but it doesn't mean that we are to, in choosing ourselves, right? That does not mean that we abandon all of that. It does not mean that we don't uphold those values. It just means that we're not able to do them in that one particular way. Is the only way to support to be the flag bearer? Do you have to carry the weight? Do you have to be the symbol? Do you have to be the sole representative of everything related to your family, related to your friends, related to your community? Do you have to hold that weight? Do you have to hold that burden? No, you don't have to. And in saying, I don't want to do that, or you're saying, I'm not doing that, but it doesn't mean that I don't care. It doesn't mean that I don't align with these values. It doesn't mean that you're abandoning your nation, your group, your whoever it is, right? It just means that you're choosing to do so in a different way. And that is what the fool is about. Um, And being able to kind of embark again on this journey and this path for yourself but also for everyone. You are holding the flag and you are the flag bearer under your own terms, right? And in your own particular war. But in a way, you still are fighting for everyone else, even though they cannot necessarily see. Going back to that idea of, oh, I'm home now, so I can pull out the card. The idea of the fool card being represented as someone naked and manic chasing a dove it's the same thing where people are like what the fuck are you doing and it's like I'm doing this for everyone and you don't even know I'm finding it right now (sighs) I'm so tired ah and it's called the holy fool and He's so skinny. My God. He was living in a cave. And he has that, um, ah, I don't know what the word is called. If you know what the word is called, DM me. It's like when, it's the word that's used to describe when they do that like halo effect in like classical paintings and stuff. Oh my God. I love that shit. I love that shit. Okay. Let's see. The holy fool, naked outside his cave-like cell, steps through the world with all the innocence of a child. What did we talk about earlier? He raises his hands towards the dove of the Holy Spirit and prepares to step off into the air above the sea, asking out without words to be allowed access to the wonder and joy of the world. Oh, I was right. Cool. The fool is the eternal innocent. 
the sublime wanderer whose journey is embodied through the images of the card deck. Traditionally portrayed as stepping off the edge of a cliff onto a rainbow bridge, oh, that's beautiful, he epitomizes trust in the infinite. But the fool was around long before tarot began to be formulated. He was present in the oldest rituals of the classical world, and he is found within this worldwide, within worldwide spirituality. The Byzantine world would have known him in the guise of the holy fool. An ascetic, whoa, that word is in here. Yo, bro, look, oh my God. Okay, what the fuck? The synchronicity. Y'all be getting these surprises when I do. This is wild. Okay. An ascetic whose sometimes strange and inconsequential behavior reflected by both his innocence and trust in God. Such men, especially within the Eastern Orthodox tradition, gave up their worldly possessions, including their clothing, and lived with the freedom of birds and beasts. They were believed to use their madness to conceal the fact that they were possessed of perfect wisdom. This wisdom is a familiar to both Sufi and Buddhist traditions, where it is known as crazy wisdom. One of the most famous of the holy fools was Basil, I was right, the Blessed of Moscow. It is from a relief from the cathedral named after him that the inspiration for this image comes. Though not directly of, not directly of Byzantine orig origin, his characteristics are identical to those of his forebears. The purity and simplicity of the figure would be immediately recognized in the Byzantine world, homeless and possessed of nothing but the body with which they came into the world. The holy fool sought understanding through innocence and journeyed unfettered by concerns of the everyday world. All right, um, we're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get into the astro so that your mind can be kind of blown open just a little bit more if it hasn't been blown already. All right. My mind has been blown because synchronicity is interesting to me. Anyway, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, y'all, let's wrap this up so that this can be done and we can move on to other things um, because I know people are eager for the uh, eclipse stuff. Can I just say for the record, just one really quick aside. Today has been the weirdest fucking day ever. And it feels like this really weird, strange... You know, we just talked about... Like... How, like, there's the tower, and then there's temperance, and then blah, 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 blah. You know, in the fool's journey, like, I literally feel, like, stuck in the middle of this shit. I just came back from a camping trip that was like mad clarifying like just a really great time to just decompress and be away from everything it kind of has like indulged my piscean like escapist tendencies right and 
for that reason, it's made it difficult to kind of like reintegrate into like every day. Um, this is such an aside, but maybe it will make sense. I don't know. We'll see. Yes, it actually makes perfect sense. Um, where I've been in a space where I'm around so many people who do what they love, they travel the world, they travel across the country, um, kind of at their will, being able to do and make and create amazing, dope, beautiful shit. You know, and I'm just like, I don't want this feeling or this space to like end. Like, I really, really value that. And I really value having that and to not to have to go back to a life where that isn't what I have is really difficult. In addition to that, in kind of integrating into this newfound, you know, I guess, idea of what I would like my life to look like. And that, you know, it's weird. I mean, you as a listener, unless you've known me, have only known me to be a tarot reader, to be an astrologer, you know, and that's not always what I've been, you know, that's a very kind of recent iteration of my being. Uh, the way that I think, the way that, you know, I am kind of going back to what we were saying earlier um, in the previous part where we were talking about, you know, the, the opposition, the like, the, the duty to be yourself versus the duty to uphold this, you know, whatever the fuck. Um, I feel that intensely and I felt that intensely all week and I felt that since Taurus season, um, it's not easy to do what I do. I had a really great conversation with someone today who is starting, would like to start their own tarot practice, um, and was asking me about advice. And I came into this place where I had to really kind of delve into an uncomfortable space in which, you know, maybe like 20 minutes prior like I was on the phone with my mom and she's telling me that she sees a picture of me tagged on Facebook where I'm giving a tarot reading and she's like oh we were talking about you you know and having my family talk about me behind my back um and talk about my practice and my business and the things that I do um people that I know questioning my belief asking me if I believe in God sitting here pretending like I'm a fucking Satanist or some weird ass shit you know and so, like, the person that I am is foreign to them. Um, even though it's not foreign to me, you know, nothing that I do feels like it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I don't know how to explain that to someone, and I honestly don't really feel like it. Trust and believe that you know, I am the person that you've raised me to be. I am the person that you know, just not in the form or the shape that you would like me to look um, or be. And so that's, I guess, in a way, I guess to be, you know, Chiron is all up on my son. I guess I'll just be raw and vulnerable for the next couple of years for you guys. But like, that's just the way that I am right now. And that just is the self. That is me. And I will continue to kind of chase and, and do 
what the fuck that it is that I do until I get to that point where I've arrived at not just the place that I want for myself, but the place that the universe wants for me. And that's difficult to say and it's hurtful and it's painful because of how much value I put into family, but there's also a certain amount of detachment I have from family as well because I know that people are people. Um, My favorite saying is, you know, blood is thicker than water, um, but both carry disease. Hey. Um, And so having to kind of reckon with and deal with that is definitely my full moon um, intention and practice. And it's very difficult because it's so easy to do what's expected of me which is what you'll find during this this full moon. Um, It's so easy to choose to represent what people want you to rather than what you need for yourself, what your soul is kind of asking for. Um, It's evident through a number of different aspects that we'll talk about in a couple of minutes, but I did just want to take that moment to make that aside. Because I feel like that's, you know, if you're listening and you're creative or you have you work in a field or do something that, or you are, identify in a way that doesn't align with your family, your community, your country, or whatever the fuck's, you know, ideas and expectations for you, it hurts. And it hurts really badly to just say, I am myself and I'm going to be myself. And what you'll find is lots of times that the opposition that exists within you has nothing to do, and that's the nature of the opposition aspect, it is external, has nothing to do with anything that you truly feel about yourself and everything that other people have told you to feel about you. And I guess that's what makes it even more painful. It's unfortunate that as fun-loving as the Gemini Sagittarian energy is, there's nothing fun-loving about this um, full moon. And I think you can feel it and you know it. Um, yeah, but like in now I'm going to Vegas for a work trip. Um, and to be quite honest, I don't really want to go. I would much rather sit in my apartment and not talk to people for a couple of days for a while. That's probably what I'll do when I get back. Um, I just really want to go into hermit mode. And the natural order of things is really just calling me to do quite the opposite and it's very um uncomfortable and I don't fucking like it um and it kind of makes me a little bit upset and it makes me feel like my peace is being disturbed next week is uh from the moment of the full moon forward it's the same energy the fool has to face the reality okay um the 19th the 20th ah oh. it will be so easy to get frustrated um and i feel the frustration now because the moment that you find that you have some sort of breakthrough it is almost just as quickly snatched away from you it was really hurtful to come back after such an amazing trip um, 
in which I really kind of felt a conflict of, and if you follow me on IG, you kind of saw this, a conflict in terms of what um, I do and kind of suffering from imposter syndrome and having a difficulty with connecting with people, you know, because of this feeling of just like not being enough, right? And so then to come back from that and come out on the other side of that and then for someone the person who birthed me um to make a kind of side remark and and kind of slight of you know slight kind of judgment um towards something that I had just kind of reckoned with a couple days before was incredibly hurtful this is the first time I'm saying this out loud and it's two people oh but I guess I'm just saying this to have you understand that I don't just speak um, from a place of some happy-go-lucky bitch who's just like, yo, the universe is great and it's going to bless you and it's da-da-da. I truly believe that. Um, but I also understand the growing pains that kind of come with it as well. All right. Now, before I get too emo, um, I'm going to go ahead and start talking about the aspects. One thing I did want to bring up um, that is important to keep in mind, as I mentioned before, um, the lunations are incredibly powerful this year because of the North Node being in Cancer. So all of the moon cycles, every moon aspect is speaking and kind of echoing um, the messages of the North Node, is echoing and kind of pushing us in that direction, which is why the moon has felt incredibly intense this year, um, which is why the moon cycles have just felt like really just like they've really just gotten in your because they definitely are just digging in there, right? Moon is all about the past. Um, and that is why so much of this year has a lot to do with shit that we thought we already had figured out. We did not. Um, last year, it was about the sun. It was about the future. Um, it was about seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of feet, miles not even feet, miles in front of you. Remember our conversation about like the blue of distance, right? And now we're taking on that blue of distance in a way um, where we see mi millions of miles or thousands of miles in front of us, but realize that there's a kind of journey that lies ahead and to be able to get into that. I'll say all this to say um, one thing to kind of remember in astrology um, in terms of exaltations Jupiter is exalted in Cancer. Um, and as, you know, a student of astrology, I've asked myself, why? Why not Leo? You know, that, that was my thought. I think that's what many of us would think. Um, and I thought about what is the biggest adventure what is the biggest risk what is the largest fool's journey that one can take in this lifetime it's definitely that of mothering and the bravery that it takes to give birth to something um, literally um, and figuratively right what happens to us if we dare to nurture or grow something? When you think about it,
that's kind of scary. Some of us may never want to be mothers. Some of us may never have the ability to be mothers um, or dream of becoming a mother one day. And all you can do is do your best and hope that something kind of turns out the right way or in the way that you thought it would or in the best way that it can, right? That's the thing about mothers and the way that they love, right? They just want you to be the best that you can be. Is that not the same as the risk-taking nature of the Sagittarian, um, of the fool in this instance, to kind of dare to grow something? Mm. And so Jupiter is making its second square to Neptune, Neptune, not Neptune, um, on the day of the full moon, which is the 17th. I didn't mention that before. That's so funny. Um, and Anne Orderly um, talks about this on her podcast. She will likely talk about it on this upcoming episode. I definitely encourage you to listen to it. I had the privilege of being able to go hear her speak um in November when she was talking not November December during sad season huh um when she was talking about the astrology for the year I would go get my notes but I don't feel like it sorry um and she was talking about um Jupiter square Neptune asking us what our dream is and it will ask us again and again. And now this time, Jupiter is retrograde asking us what our dream is. And so we have to kind of revisit and rethink um, this adventure and this journey that we're taking. For some people, we may decide that we want to go a different way, that the way we were going wasn't the way that we want to go and it's time to start a new adventure. For some people, it's a reaffirming um, of that dream and that adventure where we ask ourselves, what is to happen if we dare to nurture or grow something, especially when that thing is ourselves? Another thing to kind of keep in mind that's happening in the sky is deeply related to this. Neptune is trying a triple conjunction uh, that involves the North Node, Mercury, and Mars. One thing that I saw in a reading that I did for someone last weekend, um, they were asking if they should move. I'm not going to get into the details of why, but in a way, they were definitely kind of escaping or trying to run away from something. Um, and I told him through the reading, um, I saw, what did I see? It was the chariot. And the chariot was um, clarified by the three of swords. And I told him, this is a card of movement, 
But I don't think that you need to go anywhere. I don't think the movement is external. It is internal. It is moving emotionally. One thing about the moon energy or even Neptunian energy is the fact that it embodies the high priestess. And I've had this conversation with somebody else this last week. Um, where the high priestess teaches us that being is how we do. By existing. Not in this very externalized, masculine way of moving. And of course, that's what Mars and Cancer has us doing. Is It has us rethinking movement. It has us rethinking what it means to do doing is an internal process rather than an external process and I know that that makes no fucking sense and it's not supposed to and so what I see is the fool's journey is one that we think that we are to embark on some external journey when in a reality what we are preparing for is to kind of search and explore our emotional depths the threshold that we are to jump off of the cliff that we are to jump off of or walk off of is one that is internal it is emotional it allows us to connect with ourselves on a depth level that we haven't before so that we can really connect to our dreams in a way that allows them to be real and allows them to be possible um one thing to kind of mention with a neptune trine is that there can be a little bit of delusion and illusion that we put um, on ourselves or in our circumstances when we think about the ideas and the way that we should move. And I definitely think it has a lot to do with us thinking, oh, I can just pack up my things and I can go and I can do this and do that. This adventure, it's going to be great. And the universe is like, no, we are not running. We are not moving anywhere. This is work that we're doing is inside of us. We're making room. We're making space. We're making room. We're making space. We're making emotional room and emotional space within ourselves to heal. And then allow what we want to kind of come into us um, in the way that we want. One thing that I will mention um, that is very timely. um, If you go check out New Mind Frames um, Twitter, she made some tweets about the... um, this Jaclyn Hill thing that's been happening. Um, for those who don't know who Jaclyn Hill is, um, she is a makeup, a YouTube makeup artist. Um, and she recently just released a collection and the things that people have found in the makeup are quite disgusting and disturbing. But she brought up a vi- but new mind frame, um, uh, brought up a really great and amazing point. And I'm just going to read exactly what she said. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people can learn from what's happening to her and understand that it can kind of happen to anybody if you're not careful. In a nutshell, Murphy's Law is at play here. If you fear the worst, your subconscious mind will find a way to manifest the worst scenario in physical form. Especially now, 
Sorry, hold on one second. My nose. I don't know why it's doing this. Oh my god. Anyway, especially now with that the planet's frequency is raising and our thoughts are far more powerful. Jacqueline is already an extremely powerful manifester, so I'm not shocked that everything in her subconscious mind is playing out. People think she's this overly confident, money-hungry scam artist. Not the case. The opposite is true, actually. I've been watching her take all of this with a grain of salt, as you guys probably do anyway. Um, If you've been watching her since the beginning, she's always dropped hints that her dad was controlling and she cut him off. She also had a full story time about an abusive ex who she continuously ran back to. Uh, The struggle with codependency and her life story matches mine. North Node and Cancer, releasing cycles of codependency. Let's keep going. So, it's safe to assume she struggles with codependency. Actually, this isn't really an assumption. More like a fact because she tweeted that she's in therapy for codependency. I'm calling it an assumption because I figured out long before she had tweeted about it. Back to the point, people who struggle with codependency have very low self-esteem. Their subconscious mind is plagued with harsh self-talk and lack of self-love. Codependents often try to suppress the empty feelings with expansive, expensive items and back-to-back relationships, but they can't run from it. Deep down inside, they don't believe they deserve success. They don't believe they deserve the love they receive. We manifest from our subconscious mind, not our conscious mind. So you can fake confidence all you want. The proof is in the manifestations. When she started YouTube, she was struggling and needed to pay bills. That's when you're in control of your mind because you have to survive. That's when codependents have the ability to be present, focused, and productive. That's why she was so consistent in the beginning. Also, her reality matched up with what was planted in her subconscious mind. She was struggling to make ends meet, barely could afford food, and her husband was struggling with drug addiction. Again, this matches up with the mind of a codependent. Codependents tend to feel comfortable when they're, we are struggling and hurting. Why? Because our subconscious mind tells us we deserve this. So it's very uncomfortable when our lives start to shift and we start manifesting abundance. Our conscious mind is thankful for the love, admiration, and money, but our subconscious mind is screaming, you don't deserve this. And self-sabotage takes place almost immediately. Whether we do it on purpose or not, it's happening. This is what's happening to Jacqueline constantly. I see her self-sabotaging all the time, and I just shake my head because I can fully relate. Now let's talk about this lipstick scandal. And so basically she was then talking about um, how the things that she produced were obviously kind of contaminated and sent out. Amber Khan has talked about this as well. Your psycho-cybernetic settings, what are these? These are your, this is the imprint or kind of settings of your subconscious mind. They're very much so based off of you being a five-year-old. Um, and they set the tone for how you manifest your reality. These settings, um, often compared to a uh, air conditioner, will constantly reset to the level that they are set at. If the air conditioner is supposed to be at 70 degrees, the moment that it goes below it um, or higher than it, it will always recorrect itself to 70 degrees, right? In a way, your subconscious mind is the same way. The moment that you start to deviate away from your settings is the moment in which you'll begin to manifest 
the settings that you think that you deserve that are reflective or the reality that is reflective of the reality that you deserve. I bring this up because it is extremely important and this is a warning, not necessarily a warning, but it's very important for all of you who are listening to know. We cannot skip the work. We cannot. You cannot skip over your trauma. You cannot skip over anything that is standing in the way of you and what you want. You are not going to get it. Dead ass. And if you do, it's going to crumble in front of you because you haven't fixed the root of the issue. That's also another thing that we're talking about with the Cancerian aspect of things, where it's we're getting to the root. We're talking ancestry. We are talking generational things that some of us are working through, but more importantly, deep-seated things that are coming from our families, coming from our childhoods. Without working through those things, all of this dreaming and hoping and whatever the fuck will be fruitless. As harsh as that is to say. And I even see that in the chart for the day. Where the blind spot in this particular case is between Jupiter um, and this triple conjunction with the North Node, then Mars, and, uh, you know, what is it called? And Mars and um, Mercury. And the moon is kind of chilling and doesn't realize that it's answering to all of this. It doesn't understand or see that it's answering to these parts of ourself that need to be healed. Remember the sun, the moon is in Sag, so it is answering to Jupiter. So this interplay that we kind of see between these planets in which they are extremely connected to one another while we're chilling over here in this Neptunian kind of dreamy state where we're like, oh, this is what I want and this is what I want to do and I'm eliminating this from my life because I want to manifest and I want to heal and I wanted this and I wanted that. Yo, patchwork, magical shit is not going to work. It's not. It just isn't. And I hate to see that shit on my fucking TL and I hate to see people telling you to do that shit you need to do real real work and this summer is going to pull that shit out of you until you fucking do something about it I'm so serious I'm saying this to myself and I'm saying this to you as well we have to purge this shit And we have to make sure that that shit does not come back ever again. If you need to get a therapist, if you need to, I don't, whatever type of form of healing that you need, plant the seeds and set the intentions for that. Say, I want what I want. I would like to create and build this future for myself. This is what I hope for. This is what I wish for. This is what I dream for. I acknowledge that there is all of this healing that is in the way of that so that I can get to that. Again, every self kind of doubting thought in your mind, every kind of way that you have been programmed to believe that you cannot get what you want will come back to haunt you in some way or another. It just will. Um, That is the reality. Unless you take the space and the time to heal. That's the thing about the eclipse season last year. It was like, wow. I can do this. I should do this. Yes, you can. You can do that. You can accomplish that. But yo, we need to look at this. This is the invitation. This moon cycle phase, whatever the fuck right here, this is the invitation. Are you going to walk through the door? Are you going to jump off of the threshold? 
Are you going to jump into healing and doing that healing work in a way that is conducive to you being able to get all that it is that you want, to be able to have those difficult conversations with your family, with people who have wronged you or hurt you, to be able to even acknowledge in some people's cases that these things are a reality, to move beyond just being a victim of circumstance and move to a space where we're saying, yo, I'm not allowing space for anyone else to ever make me feel that way again or to do that this particular pattern in my life will cease to exist that's what it's about that's what the node wants you to do you know we're defining success for ourselves but that requires us to break up with this idea of success that has been fabricated and created by people who are not us and who don't know what the fuck they're talking about because they're not us you know Period. It's that simple. It's not, well, it's not that simple. And the way that I've explained it to you, it's that simple. But like, look, I'm sorry. Like, I've kind of deviated off what we were saying. But like, I. And I'm not even trying to be some really pessimistic kind of whatever the fuck that I kind of feel like I sound like right now. But like, yo. What does it matter if you build a million dollar kind of, I don't know how much money she makes. I believe Jaclyn Hill is likely a millionaire. What does that matter when the root, the, the root of the things hasn't been addressed? And all of that is just snatched away from you instantly because that's what your subconscious has been begging for this entire time. It's really scary to read when she was saying that she does the best when she's suffering. Uh, To be quite honest, it is so relatable to find that when I am in so much pain or in a space of lack and suffering, things come to me in ways that I could not imagine. And that scares the shit out of me. Because I would like to live a life where I'm able to manifest from a place of abundance and not from a place where I feel like something is missing or I'm struggling and so something comes into my life to kind of save the day. Fuck that. That's not good enough for me. And I hope that's not good enough for you either. All right. I'm going to end this episode now um, because I'm starting to get in my feelings, um, as you can probably hear through my tone. I hope this was helpful. Actually, I'll pull an oracle card really quickly. I'm not going to, I'll try not to provide too much commentary on it because I do not want um, to kind of get in the way of the message. Um, Hold on one second. This deck is about so it will likely just align with whatever the fuck is here and with whatever the fuck is needed. Um, If you feel a little down um, after listening, please go um, do practice self-care in a very kind of healthy um, (laughs) and acceptable way. If you need a bath, if you need to meditate, play some happy music and dance do something that will kind of get your energy up i also think i am very tired as well and again like i said i've been wanting to be in hermit mode but work has not allowed me to do so um yeah 
I, yeah, that's where I am right now. Woo, Vegas and Hermit mode. I cannot, bro. I just cannot. Okay. Okay. Get one card. For the full moon in Sagittarius. Oh. Again. The card is listening for truth. Oh, yeah, I know this card. This is perfect. This card is perfect. Yo, I just want to go to sleep. I'm not finished with my laundry yet. Have not even put a single item in my suitcase. I planned all my outfits in my head, but they're not, like, out. And I have to... Excuse me. I have to, like, do my toenails and shit like that. I'm so excited. Wearing sandals and shit. Anyway, this is um, definitely kind of related to, again, that element of Mercury being in Cancer. Listening for truth. Listening for the truth. Truth speaks to us constantly, but not always in words. It may communicate through a feeling that is hard to put into words, but brings an inexplicable sense of peace, trust, and knowledge and the knowledge that somehow everything is going to work out perfectly, even if there is little evidence of how it is all going to happen. You are being asked to listen for the truths beneath the words rather than the superficial message of the words themselves. This is especially true for the communications of those around you, the press, the newspapers, and the mass media. You will begin to hear fear in the words and actions of those around you, even as they preach love. Listen deeper. Listen for the truth. This oracle comes with a message of truth for you. You are hearing something that is not being said, and what you are hearing is truthful. You may feel as though you are the only one that is really ready to hear or see it. Perhaps you have been working in a situation or a loving relationship where truth is constantly, consistently denied. We live in a world where truth is frequently avoided out of fear of what it might reveal. At the basis of such actions, consciously or not, is a deep sense of unhealed toxic shame. If you or someone else is fearful that the truth will expose rather than free and heal, then some personal healing is required. It is time for letting go of old wounds in favor of a greater sense of self-love and acceptance. You are being asked to love yourself enough to honor the truth, even if you feel you are the only one doing so. Sacred rebels need truth like lungs need oxygen. Truth keeps the energy of life flowing through the rebellious heart. Lies dampen the spirit of the sacred rebel. Even those with less awakened hearts fear the truth. You must not turn away from it. Don't resent this state of affairs. Perhaps your job is to show the truth that truth can be witnessed even when many may want to hide from it. What others do is always their choice. But through your honorable deeds done with integrity, you will be set free, no matter what the outcome. You are a truth, truth seeker. Never deny or try to quiet, quieten, strange word, this down to make others comfortable. You are meant to be an agitator at times, even though you don't have to confront people who, to do it. You don't necessarily have to say a word, though sometimes you will. Often you will agitate in the most loving sense by unveiling truth simply through your knowings. 
Hold compassion for the truths you behold. Do not use them as knives to cut another or yourself with harshness, but as the clear insight that allows one to loosen the knots that tug, that the knots that bind, simply by knowing which thread to gently tug. This oracle brings you guidance. If you have been worn down and depressed by lies, gossip, deceit, or backstabbing going on around you, don't fret. Get out in nature and spend some time commuting with the infinite. With the infinite, healing will come to you now, no matter how many times, in how many ways, or by how many tongues untruth is spoken. You know what you know in your sacred rebellious heart. The truth is your connection to the living truth itself. Don't give up. Just open to healing and know that the truth always eventually prevails. Alrighty, that is all. Thank you so much for listening um, this week. Um, we'll be back on wheel. It's just me. <laughs> I'll be back on the uh, solstice next week gonna be a big one it's gonna be exciting i hope you enjoyed this episode i'm sorry if it was i became a bit of a debbie downer it's so weird i was in a fine mood before today has just been so fucking strange it has literally just been one thing after another all day it has just felt so fucking weird and i don't know why and it's bothering me And none of my friends are responding to my text messages. So I'm just like, hey, guys, thanks for answering. It's so weird. I'm going to say this last thing and then I'm going to go. Amber Khan was talking about um, in the Aries reading about Aries kind of being ignored unless someone has some smart ass shit to say or some criticism for them. That's definitely been my life the last couple of weeks, um, and it's been really hurtful. I don't know if people realize that they're doing it. I also don't know if they care. I don't think that they do. Um, Anyway, yeah, that's the boat that I'm in. I'll be fine. Um, If you are feeling that way as well and you'd like somebody to talk to you, you can talk to me. (laughs) They can be emo together. Anyway, again, thanks for listening. (laughs) And happy full moon in Sag get ready for this summer it's going to be insane insanely healing though but insane 